Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 19. I'm going to read from the New International Version. If you love Jesus this morning, say amen. Amen. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The title of my message this morning, as you have already heard, Hand in Hand. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, as I lay hands upon your words, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint your words of God. Because, Lord, we're a people that wants to hear from you this morning. So, Lord, may I step aside so the Holy Spirit will take your words, not only feed us, not only inspire us, but challenge us, O oh God, to, to glorify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Back in the 15th century, in a tiny village near Nuremberg lived a family of 18 children. 18. In fact, last month I ordained, um, I ordained a woman with nine children. I thought that was a lot. Okay, 18 children. In order merely to keep food on the table for this mob, the, family, the father and head of the household, a goldsmith by profession, worked almost 18 hours a day at his trade and any other paint chore he could find in the neighborhood. Despite their seemingly hopeless condition, two of Albrecht Durer's, the elders' children, had a dream. They both wanted to pursue their talent for art, but they knew full well that their father would never be financially able to send either of them to Nuremberg to study at the academy. After many long discussions at night in their crowded bed, the two boys finally worked out a pact. They would toss a coin. The loser would go down into the nearby mines and, with his earnings, support his brother while he attended the academy. Then, when that brother who won the toss completed his studies in four years, he would support the other brother at the academy, either with sales of his artwork or, if necessary, also by laboring in the mines. They toss a coin on a Sunday morning after church. Albrecht Durer won the toss and went off to Nuremberg. Albert went down into the dangerous mines and for the next four years financed his brother, whose work at the academy was almost an immediate sensation. Albert's etchings, his woodcuts, and his oils were far better than those of most of his professors. And by the time he graduated, he was beginning to earn considerable fees for his commission works. When the young artist returned to the village, the Durer family held a festive dinner on their lawn to celebrate Elbrick's triumphant homecoming. After a long and memorable meal, punctuated with music and laughter, Elbrick rose from his honored position at the head of the table to drink a toast to his beloved brother for the years of sacrifice that enabled Elbrick to fulfill his ambition. His closing words were, And now, Elbert, Blessed brother of mine, now it is your turn. 
Now you can go to Nuremberg to pursue your dream, and I will take care of you. All heads turn in eager expectation to the far end of the table where Albert sat. But tears streaming down his pale face, shaking his lowered head from side to side while he sobbed and repeated over and over, no, no, no. Finally, Albert rose, wiped the tears from his cheeks. He glanced down the long table at the faces he loved, and then holding his hands close to his right cheek, he said softly, no, brother, I cannot go to Nuremberg. It is too late for me. Look, look what four years in the mines have done to my hands. The bones in every finger have been smashed at least once. And lately, I have been suffering from arthritis so badly, especially in my right hand, that I cannot even hold a glass to return your toast, much less make delicate lines on parchment or canvas with a pen or a brush. No, brother, for me, it is too late. More than 450 years have passed. By now, Albrecht Durer's hundreds of masterful portraits, pen and silver point sketches, watercolors, charcoals, woodcuts, and copper engravings hang in every great museum in the world. But the odds are great that you, like most people, are familiar with only one of Albrecht Durer's works. More than merely being familiar with it, you very well may have a reproduction hanging in your home or office. You see, one day, to pay homage to Albert for all that he had sacrificed, Albrecht Durer painstakingly drew his brother's abused hands with palms together and thin fingers stretched skyward. He called his powerful drawing simply hands. But the entire world almost immediately opened their hearts at this great masterpiece and renamed his tribute of love, The Praying Hands. The next time you see a copy of that touching creation, take a second look. Let it be a reminder, if you still need one, that no one, no one ever makes it alone. Elbrick and Albert work hand in hand. And today's sermon is about working hand in hand. To work hand in hand, you must change the scorecard for the church. As Reggie McNeil says, in his own book, Missional Renaissance, which is then was quoted in Hero Maker. He was my doctorate professor in one of my courses, so I heard him firsthand. I didn't, when I read the book, Hero Maker, I thought, hey, that was, he taught me in class. For too long, the church's scorecard has been about how many people attend Sunday morning service or how much tithe is collected for the operation of the church. Instead, the scorecard should measure stats such as how many people are we sent out or sending out? How much is given to others? For that to happen, the church must shift from an internal focus to an external focus. The church must shift from program development to people development. The church must shift from church-based leadership to kingdom-based leadership. So for that to happen, I'd like to submit there are three points for this morning. Point number one is there needs to be giving hand in giving hand. This speaks about unity. This year for our church, Calvary Assembly of God in Honolulu, Hawaii, our theme is just one word, united. 
Why? Because we're better together. We're better together. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're better together. <laughs> Listen to what happens biblically when Christians are with one accord, which is in the New King James Version. With one accord. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, you switched it. Oh, well. oh there you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> with one accord. That, that's actually uh, some members of my worship team. And uh, they're with one accord. <laughs> my, uh, the, the, two, the two leftmost people are, are two of my three children. Um, Brandon is 21 years old, and he's one of the, and I'm biased here, but he's one of the top keyboardists in, in Hawaii. He actually teaches at the most prestige, prestigious uh, uh, music of cons uh, conservatory of music in Hawaii. He's one of the teachers there. He's also our top keyboardist in our church, and, and, and he, he's amazing, you know, but he worships God on the piano. M my daughter, Vanessa, she's 19 now, and uh, she's got a real missions heart. She just spent three months in Brazil in, in, in our churches there ministering. She also has a beautiful voice, and she sings in an international ensemble that, that tours the Pacific Rim. But um, yeah, uh, members of our, our worship team, some of them uh, with one accord. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? Well, Acts 2.1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts 5.12 says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Acts 8.6 says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which they did. You see, you can do more with one accord. While God loves multiplication, Satan loves division. That's why we need to work hand in hand. We can even see an example from zoology. They say that one tiger can beat up one lion, pound for pound. They say that. However, they also say five lions can beat up five tigers. Now, how, how, how is that? Because here's how it works. Five lions would go to the first tiger, and it'd be five against one, and beat up that tiger. Then you'll go to the next tiger and beat up that tiger. And third and fourth and fifth. Five against one, five times. Now you may ask, why don't the five tigers band together too? Well, that's the problem. Tigers are solo animals. Lions work together with one accord, in one pride, and that's how they do it. They work together. So don't learn from the tigers, okay? So never mind Tiger Woods. That's, that, that, he's just on his own, okay? But... When you work together like, a, like lions, Lion of Judah being our leader, hallelujah. When we work together in unity, we can accomplish that much more. Living Stones Church can do missions better together. See, you can do missions better by giving together. In the, in the passage I read earlier, in verse 15, it says, Not one church shared with me in a matter of giving and receiving except you only. You see, members of the Philippian church share with Paul in giving. They gave together with Paul's own giving. Paul was a tent maker. He was bivocational. And so he had his own earning combined with what the Philippians church were willing to give together as they were giving together. What a, what a, what a combination it was. In fact, many scholars believe that, that, that when... Um, hold on, hold on. Ooh, I, I, sorry, sorry, sorry. I switched here. Okay. You, you can all individually give... To, to say some of the missions organizations out there. World Vision is a good one. 
And the fruit of that will be good. But when you can all give through one missions program as a house, as one vision, the Livingstone's Church Missions Program, hand in hand, you'll multiply the results. When all church ministries give hand in hand, more missions projects will result. When pastors and laity together give hand in hand, more missionaries will be supported. When leaders and congregation give hand in hand, more missions trips will be conducted. Even my own church. Uh, we've been doing missions since I became their pastor 17 years ago. We have given well over $4 million in missions. And, you know, some of my, my, my uh, fellow senior pastors, they look at me and says, you gave that to missions? Why don't you use that to, to, to extend your church? I mean, I, I see what you have done here. I am so envious. I'm salivating when I see that, you know? And I hear, and a pastor told me how much it costs and all that. Let me tell you, the amount that it took there would, would probably not even... Uh, build 10% in Hawaii because it's so expensive in Hawaii. But $4 million, it would go a lot longer than, than, than if I didn't spend. But at the same time, how many lives have, would I have affected? How many, you know, eternity will tell. When I go to heaven, people are, are, are tapping me on the shoulder and says, hey, because of your giving, I am here today. You know, and, and really, here in the United States, we're so spoiled. You know, 95% of the world aren't like us. You know, some of us complain that we don't have this, we don't have that. Let me tell you, most of the world don't even have some food on their table. They don't even know if they're going to eat. You know, and, 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 and that's why when we can give together, hallelujah, when we give hand in hand, we can do more together. Point number two is giving hand in going hand. Giving hand in going hand. We see here that Paul and the Philippian church were working hand in hand in another way now. Not just giving together, but the Philippian church was the giving hand and Paul was the going hand. Now, did it work? We see an example in Acts chapter 16. And I'll just read some selected verses here. Verse 12. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and a city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Jumping down to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Many scholars believe that the jailer was on the Philippian church board. Now just imagine, here was Paul. He was, he was um, going around to different churches asking for support. And as we read at the beginning, that he said that only you supported me. So he went to other churches. And, and, and when he asked, you know, uh, God has called me to do missions. We have missions teams all set up. We're going to go out into the world. And I can just imagine all these churches go, well, that, that, that's great. But, you know, we got a parking lot for all the donkeys that park here. And, and we got to raise up money to, 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 to build it. And, and we don't have any money for you. Sorry. Right? He would go to another church that says, well, you know, we, we, got, we got young children. We got to extend the, the, the synagogue. And, 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 and it's going to cost money. So no money for you. 
But here, in the, in the Philippi church, when he proposed that, I wonder, if maybe on the church board, maybe on the missions advisory team, maybe there's some people that maybe were a little bit inward, you know? Maybe thinking, well, you know, money's kind of tight. The missions offerings haven't been coming in, and we don't know if we can support you. But I can just imagine the jailer, he would stand up, says, you guys got to be kidding. How can we not support him? Remember how this church got started. He was, he was, he was, we had him locked up because we, we, we thought we were so mad that he, he cast out a demon out of women that, 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 that was making money for the people. And, 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 and then we put him in jail. And then, and then they were singing, doing that crazy worship stuff. And then I heard this loud noise. The shackles came off. The doors opened. When I looked, they were gone. And you know the Roman law. You know, I was a jailer. And as a jailer, if a prisoner escaped, I'm like, I'm, I'm dead. I'll be hanging in front of family and friends and what a disgrace. I was about to take a sword, do the Japanese samurai thing, like this. I was about to, you know, end my life honorably. But then they yelled out and says, no, we are still here. And then I, I, I thought, hey, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. How, what, what, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only you, your entire family will be saved. I gave my life over to Jesus. I was the first convert in this church. I am now in the church board, and I say, this man, we got to support him. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be alive today. I don't know how, how much it's going to cost. We're going to support him in missions. I can see him saying that. And because of that, that's why Paul says, it will be credited to your account. You see up in heaven, there, there, there's this, this crazy spreadsheet up in heaven. Yeah, okay? Excel 777, you know, whatever it is, okay? And, and and the first column is every believer's name. Down, down the first column. Then the second column is whether you tithe or not. Check, check, check. Because if you don't tithe, there's a curse on you, according to Malachi. But if you've got check, you're covered. But then the third column is how much you give to missions. Now, you can't take from your tithe. You take from your tithe. The Bible says it's stealing. You can't steal from it because that is returned to God. That, that doesn't belong to you at all. You know, that's why when you take it, you steal. But... The missions giving is over and above the 10%. And that's the part that gets credited your account. That's the part where my favorite verse, Luke 638, kicks in. Give it, she'll be given back to you. Good pressure, press now, she can get there and running over, right? That's, it doesn't apply to a tithe, that verse. It applies to your missions giving. And that's why Paul can say, but my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That verse is for the missions church. I hate it. I'm just going to share with you. We're friends, right? I, I hate it. When I preach in a church and they don't give, they give like goose egg to missions. And then the pastor has the gall to get up and says, hallelujah for Philippians 4.19. You know, he's Jehovah Jireh. He will provide all our needs. You know, I, I, be, I believe Jehovah Jireh will provide for every Christian need. But don't use the, the, the verse from, verse, uh, for, from Philippians 4.19. Use some other verse in the Bible. Because that verse is reserved for the missions church Christian. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, Livingstone's church is a missions church. So that verse applies to every one of you. Hallelujah. He will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will be your Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. But see... What's in that column? Your name. Is, what, what's the amount there? It's being credited to your account. That's what he says. It's credited to both their account, Paul and the giving church. See, as a result, that's why a church supporting Paul in missions giving was a blessed church. James 5.4 says, The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. All the missionaries out there are crying out, 
Who's, who's going to help support what we're doing? Because we're saving lives. Are there some giving churches? Are there some giving Christians out there that will support what we're doing? See, if there is, hallelujah, your giving will result in more going. See, there's a lot of things in missions that I personally, Terry Wong, cannot do. That's why I give to missions as well. I mean, I do a lot going, but there's a lot going I can't do. That's why I give. Let me give you some examples. Here's a few missionaries that Calvary Assembly of God in Honolulu supports. Paul and Debbie Hilton. Talk about Vietnam. That, that was your 50th country that you went to, right? Is that what I heard? Hallelujah. Well, there's a missionary couple there. They, they, they are specialized in cleft palate surgeries. You know, that's where, where, where children are cut down here, and, and um, uh, they do that. Now, Terry Wong can't do that. Terry Wong never took a medical course at all. You know, I see blood, uh, you know, but, but them, they're skilled in that. And by doing that, the government saw what they were doing. At one time, the Assemblies of God, which is the denomination I'm ordained with, they were an illegal denomination in Vietnam. They saw what the Hiltons were doing, and because of that, they legalized the Assemblies of God. Hallelujah. How good is that? Could Terry Wong have done that? No. But they're going, combined with my giving, enable that to happen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Paul Robinson, this guy, he came to my church and preached and asked for support. And he told me that he has a heart for Columbia. And I said, well, I hear, I hear that too. No, 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 no. Very specialized. I have a heart for corrupt police officers in Columbia because most of the police officers are corrupt. I mean, they'll stop you on the road and they'll demand $100 or whatever amount or else they'll throw you in jail. What do you do when a police officer says that? You know, you got to do it or else you're, you're in jail, right? And so, 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 so corrupt. Because of our giving to Paul's going, over 100 corrupt police officers to date in Colombia are saved now. Hallelujah. And they're preaching to the other officers. Terry Wong can't do that. I can't even speak Spanish. I can't do that. Heidi and Roland Baker, good friends of mine. They have preached for me three times now. My wife took a team to Mozambique to be with them. Tr tremendous, the, the healings. If you, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you never heard them, go to YouTube. You see I mean, healings right, right there. You see the, the footages of it. The latest stats, that we're texting each other all the time. Her husband and I are, are big-time tennis fans. You know, he likes Roger Federer, I like Rafael Nadal, and they play, we're always, I'm, we're going to beat you, no, you're going to beat you, no, whatever, right? But one of the texting time, he said, he said, hey, have you heard my, the, the stats of my wife lately? I said, what, what stats are you talking about? He said, seven out of ten blind people that come to her for healing, when she prays, get healed. Seven out of ten. I said, Wow. That, that's amazing stats. He said, that's not the best one. 10 out of 10 deaf people get healed. 10 out of 10. Wow. Now, I pray for the blind. I pray for the deaf. But my stats are not 7 out of 10 or 10 out of 10. Heidi Baker is. So she, what she can do in Mozambique, I can't do. So what do I do? For years now, our church has been supporting her financially. And because of our giving, her incredible going. See, these missionaries are going, but they need a giving hand. Just as you have a list of missionaries as well, too. They can do the going that you cannot do. That's why you need to be the giving hand. Their going hand can do what our giving hand can't do, as, but we can give. Hand in hand, we can do missions better together. Turn to your neighbor again. Another one. And say, we're better together. 
And finally, point number three, going hand in going hand. Pastor, may I have a few more minutes here? Is that okay? You guys have to go to lunch? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Is this good eating here, food? Okay, okay. Just checking. I don't want to offend you, okay? Yeah, this is lunch. Hallelujah. Acts 16, we see that Paul wasn't going on his own. He was on a missions team, in fact. Acts 16, verses 1 to 3, it says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on a journey. And then jump down to verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So from verse 1, we see that Paul, or for the first part, we see Paul took on Timothy. Timothy, many scholars believe, was just a teenager, like maybe 18, 19 years old. But eventually, he was going to pastor that great mega church in Ephesus, where the letter was written to the Ephesians, where it talked about in Revelation. That was believed to be a thousand-member church. Now, that was a mega church back in that day, when there weren't that many Christians yet. A mega church. And he was a teenager who was a senior pastor. He was part of this missions team. And then we read in verse 16, it keeps on saying we, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met. We, well, we usually means it's the person who's writing, right? It's we, whoever's talking, it's we. Well, who, who wrote the book of Acts? L- Luke. So Dr. Luke was part of the missions team as well. Even though we read Paul and Silas in prison, well, Luke and Timothy were there too. Just that thing were thrown in jail. They were probably outside praying, right? But, but see, the going hand and going hand team consisted of Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. And then later on, you'll see that even Aquila and Priscilla, that famous couple in the Bible, joined the team as well. See, Paul did more with his team than by himself. And you will do more in missions hand in hand than by yourself. In a team, there are more talents, more heads, more fruit. That's why in Hero Maker, Dave Ferguson, he emphasizes that the church must be disciple-making, because you can't just do it by yourself, and movement-making to build up the necessary going teams. Let me end by telling you the story. Six years ago, uh, and, and six years ago, we had already planted 200 churches in China, 20 churches in India, one in East Timor. And God just gave me a word that uh, during one of our missions conferences that, that we are now supposed to plant churches in, in Brazil, which was kind of a weird one, but, but it was prophetically spoken to me, and I pursued it, and, and so, so six years ago, I launched a team of five adults and three children to Brazil. Now we have seven churches in Brazil, hallelujah, six years later, but here's how it works. We're in the northeast part of Brazil. To get there, it's quite a, quite a trek. Uh, from Honolulu, I fly usually to Chicago, Washington, New York, or Houston, one of those United Airlines hubs, and then from there, I fly to Sao Paulo. And then from Sao Paulo, which is one of the biggest cities in the world, then I fly to Fortaleza, which is, a no, is the sixth largest city in Brazil. And then from there, they pick me up, and then there's a three-hour drive to the area where all the towns are. Okay? The towns, they, are, they, they, they range from 20,000 people to about 60,000 people. Okay? And so we're, we have now seven churches in seven of those towns. But each town is very unique in that they have an identity of their own in what they do. And how you find that out, you go to the town center. You go to the town center, and, and like there's one town, they love to read books. And so people bring their books to the town, town center and they read books. Another is a cooking town. 
Like they all cook, and so so they go to the town center. They talk about, hey, what's your latest recipe? How did you, you know, the the the, the barbecue beef stuff and all that, you know, like, like how'd you make yours? What seasoning? All? And they, they share stuff. Well, I flew in, and my team picked me up, and we're 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 we're, we're going in our church van, and they said, oh, we just, we're into another town now. This town, it's unbelievable what their activity is. And I said, well, what is it? it says they like to play chess. Play chess? Yeah, you know, like like like. Like half the, the nights of the week, they're in the town center playing chess. And Saturday is a big ch- night. I mean, a lot of people are there playing chess and all that. And the town is called Itarema. Okay? And so, so then they said, hey, pastor, didn't you used to play chess before? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 a long time ago. Well, why, why, don't, you, why don't we say that, that um, a chess master from Hawaii is in the country and you play against them? I really don't want to do this, you know. Like, 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 that's the past. I don't play chess anymore. No, 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 no. Let's, come on, for God. Come on, you got to do it. And, and so three-hour trip, by the end of the trip, I says, all right, all right. You know what? Well, Terry Wong never does anything small. So if we're going to do this chess thing, we're going to have to make it big. So you guys, can you guys find five chess sets and get five tables together? I'm going to challenge five people at the same time and play them at the same time. So, oh, actually, I said ten, but they can only find five, five chess sets. And so you see... This is a town center at Itarema. So they find five tables and then five chess sets, okay? So they get on the PA system and they say, hey, you know, we got chess master from Hawaii. Any, any, any takers here and all that, right? And so five guys, you know, volunteer, including the, the top player in that town, which my, one of my team members, he plays chess too. Um, he could not beat. He could beat a lot of other people, but not the number one guy, right? And so, so he turns to me and says, hey, the number one guy is Part of five. You sure you don't want to just play him? Ah, just play them all. Says, you're sure now? If you lose, it won't look good. Ah, let's trust God, right? And so, so here it is. I wave to, you know, uh, wave to the audience, and now I start playing. Now, the way we do it is that it's in the horseshoe, as you just saw. I would go to the first chess board, and then I make my move, and then I go to the next one, make my move, and then I go through all five, make my move. By the time we get to the first table, if he hasn't made his move yet, the rule is that he has 30 seconds to make his move or he forfeits the game, okay? But Usually by the time I get there, because, you know, I had to make a circle, uh, uh, they've already made their move. So I go around, and we just keep on going around, as you can see the pictures. Uh, I'm going around making my moves and all that. And then, um, you see, there's a crowd. Because remember, this is a chess town, okay? Even the girls like chess, okay? <laughs> it's not unbelievable. Even the girls like it, okay? And you're all watching and all that. This is a big thing. The media's there covering this thing because, you know, Hawaii chess master, right? And so, so then... Um, I beat the first guy who actually, he's the number one chess player. I just beat him. And of course, in chess etiquette, in tournaments and all that, when you win, you shake hands, and then that's it, okay? And then I win it, and then so I finish with him. I play the other four guys, and then I end up beating all five of them. And then we have to pose for a picture, of course. And here are these five guys, and the five guys say, oh, we want a rematch. So I said, okay, let's do it again. So we did it again, and I beat him again. So I'm 10 and 0 now. <laughs> And then my team member gets on the, the PA system, and my whole team can speak Portuguese fluently now, and uh, was saying that, how many of you would like to hear the chess master teach us 
And they'll go, yeah, we want to, because now, you know, establishing credibility, I'll be all 10, including the number one chess player in the town and all that. So they want to hear some teaching, right? And so he turns the mic over to me. He's interpreting for me because I, I, I can barely speak Portuguese, you know, to the bane, which is how are you? You know, that's about it, right? You know, other than that. But, but, but my um, team member who's from Hawaii, couldn't speak Portuguese before he went to Hawaii. Now he's totally fluent and he can interpret. Well, he's interpreting for me. And then I said, tonight we were chasing the king which if you know how to play chess, that's what you do, right? Try to go after the king and then checkmate, right? But in life, the king chases you. And the king's name is Jesus Christ. And I continued preaching, and at the end, I made an altar call, and tons of people got saved, and we even did a healing line. People were getting healed, slain in the spirit, right in the town center. Hallelujah! That was the beginning of our church in Iterema, of all the seven churches, that is the strongest church that we have. Because smart people, play ch chess players, right? Smart people, right? And they make money, they have good jobs and all that, and then their hobby is playing chess. Strong church is, a, is, a, is great. But here's the thing. Remember I told you that in a van, I was hesitating about doing this? When I was 15 years old, I was the number four ranked chess player in Canada. I was born and raised in Canada. When I turned 16, that's when I started liking girls. Well, the thing is, I was on the school team. So every week after we beat, or, or we beat, it beat another school, it's a team of six people, they always say, and Terry Wong did it again. He won his match, and wow, we were so privileged that one of the top players in the country is on our school team. And the, and the principal says that every week. So of course, every girl hears that too. So then when Terry Wong goes up to a girl whom he likes and says, would you like to go to a movie with me? Would you like to go out for dinner? Chess player, ew, nerd, forget it, forget it. <laughs> now you laugh now, but some of you guys have been rejected just as many, as I, many times as I have. And rejection is not good. And it stuck with me for so long, and that's why. After, when I turned 16, I went to a new school. I stopped playing chess, and I took up martial arts, got my black belt, actually two black belts, and I made the Olympic team in 1988 in Taekwondo, and you guys heard that story before. Then when I start asking girls out, oh, I couldn't keep them back. I couldn't, they were, everybody wanted to go out with a black belt guy. But the chess player, forget it. And let me tell you, that van drive, I was going through my hurts, my habits, my hang up, right there. I was going through a pain, I'm going to memory of when I got rejected. You know how the devil does that? But then at the end of the van ride, God reminded me, remember when I asked Moses, what is it that's in your hand? And he says, staff. And that staff was to deliver the people of Israel or in Egypt. God said, I, I gave you a staff 40 years before. And you haven't used chess for anything else. I'm going to use it now. And besides, you're married. You don't need a girlfriend anymore. Your <laughs> wife loves you. It doesn't matter. And for the first and only time, I use chess evangelistically. And God is saying the same thing to each one of us. Because some of us haven't been missional enough because we don't realize what staff is in your hand. Every one of us has a staff. Every one of us has a talent. Everyone has a gift of some kind. If you don't know it, ask your pastor, ask your leader, ask your life group leader. Find out what it is and use it for the Lord because we're better together. We can be going hand in going hand, hand in hand. You see, centuries earlier, Albert and Albert, hand in hand, changed the art world. 
we as Christians, hand in hand, can change the spiritual world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. I pray for my, my brothers and sisters right now. Let them realize what is a staff in their hand, oh God. And hand in hand, Lord, Living Stones Church will do incredible things for you. Reach out to the lost, Lord. Save the, 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 the people who, are, who, 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 who don't know their right hand from their left hand, oh God. Heal the sick, oh God. Heavenly Father, great things can come out of this church if they work hand in hand. So Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will speak to each heart and move us forward, oh God, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. Let's be a hero maker together.